episode 52, The Truth About English Soccer Play-By-Play Commentary. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on Facebook or Twitter and the topics such as Premier League soccer or immigrant children held in cages or Obamacare or socialism comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down and give the podcast a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest patronage page on the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on podbean.com, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube and BitChute. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. For regular listeners of the TruthQuest podcast, you know that on occasion, I go off the beaten path of politics, public policy, and Christian apologetics and cover seemingly random topics. The two that come to mind are an episode on the video game phenomenon, Fortnite, and another episode on vaping. Well, today is one of those days. I'm recording this episode in early July, which for sports fans in the United States is what I call the sports desert. NFL and college football ended several months ago. The NCAA basketball tournament was over three months ago. The NBA and NHL playoffs ended a few weeks back. For soccer fans, all of the European leagues ended their seasons at the end of May. Yes, Major League Baseball and Major League Soccer are in full swing, but both seem to be minority-followed sports these days. So I dedicate this episode to all of my fellow sports fans who are languishing in the summer sports desert. I'm a relatively new fan of European football, or soccer for my American listeners. For most of my life, the domestic cable networks did not cover the sport. But over the last four years or so, my son has exposed me to the league. I've become a regular couch potato on Saturday mornings as I follow Chelsea, Tottenham, Manchester City, Arsenal, Everton, Manchester United, and others in the English Premier League. I've also found myself to be a big fan of Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga, that's the German top soccer league. Funny thing happened as I began consuming all these European soccer matches. I found myself intrigued by the colorful language used by the British play-by-play commentators as they described the flow of the game, its players, the fans, rivalries, penalties, and just the nuances of the game of soccer. It's like having a live thesaurus on your TV. I don't mean to cast dispersions on my familiar domestic football or basketball commentators that I've consumed for the last 40 years, but the truth is, they don't hold a candle to the imaginative language provided by their English counterparts. Back in the day, John Madden dazzled viewers in the NFL, not with his colorful language, but with his straight-up honesty and down-home delivery. Dennis Miller's short stint on Monday Night Football provided a similar phenomenon, but his shtick was to purposely leave the majority of viewers head-scratching after hearing one of his obscure references. So for the last year, I watched games, I mean, excuse me, I watched matches with a notebook and a pen handy. This episode is a compilation of my notes and where necessary a translation of what the commentary means. And for my listeners in the United States, as you listen to the rest of this episode, I want you to imagine these words being used to describe your average NFL or NBA game. It just wouldn't happen. Hope you enjoy. Before we get into the more elegant language used by European soccer play-by-play commentators, I do have to mention one really, really annoying aspect of their commentary, that being their habit of simply stating the names of the players as the ball gets passed around the field. It sounds something like this, Pedro, William, 
Louise, Emerson, Conte, Hazard, back to Pedro. You get the message. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying the contrast between that mundane commentary and the colorful use of language I'm about to walk you through is quite striking. Maybe the commentators need to give their brain and their mouth a rest from spewing the Queen's English. Some of what I'm about to cover is basic soccer jargon, but you won't be able to ignore the British flavor throughout. So let's get started. The pitch refers to the soccer field. Hit the pitch is the favorite refrain as players prepare to play. As you probably can imagine, a pitch invader is when some crazy fan runs on the field. I imagine the English players saying things like, I'd like a spot of tea before I hit the pitch. Kits are references to the uniforms, as in clean the kits. A campaign refers to an entire season, whereas a fixture is a single game or match. The table refers to the league's standings. Relegation means your team finished in the bottom of the table for that year's campaign and will therefore be playing in a lower level league during the next campaign. Most of the leagues have three or four what we would consider minor league levels like AAA, AA, and single A baseball. You've got to remember, there are hundreds if not thousands of soccer clubs throughout Europe. It's almost like every medium-sized town has its own club. Think about where you live. Let's, let's say it's Atlanta or the Charlotte area. In Europe, there would be soccer clubs from Alpharetta, Marietta, Brookhaven, Georgia, and Huntersville, Gastonia, and Kannapolis, North Carolina. The word promotion is the opposite of relegation, whereby you finish in the top of your table after the campaign, and your team then plays their next campaign in the next higher level league. Shape refers to the positioning of a particular team, their players. It's part tactical and part formation. Soccer is an 11 versus 11 like American football. You have certain positions, you got goalies, fullbacks, midfielders, and forwards. A formation may be a 1-4-1-4-1, meaning one forward, four midfielders, one defensive midfielder, and a goalie. Well, during the course of the game, the formation gets stretched and discombobulated, and you will hear the announcers and the coaches and players yell, Get your shape! Meaning, get back in the formation. A related reference to shape is the complexion of the game. When someone gives way, that means they are being substituted out of the game. A touch refers to any type of play on the ball, dribbling or trap. A touch can be delicate, heavy, or even strange. A favorite phrase is something like, that was a lovely first touch. Speaking of trap, it's not something you use to capture an animal, it refers to the act of catching the ball, but instead of using your hands, you use your feet, chest, thigh, and sometimes even your head. When you rattle the wood, that means you shot the ball and it hits the post. When you level things up, that means the score got tied. Any references to a boot means a player's foot, their shoe, or a cleat. A strike is a kick, usually a shot. You'll hear a commentator describe it as a quality strike or a superb strike. I mean, can you imagine an NFL announcer using the word quality or superb? That was a quality pass by Tom Brady. Can you pass me a cup of tea? By the way, you can rattle the wood with a quality strike. A screamer refers to a powerful shot. Screamers can also be subcategorized by commentators as fierce. I've also heard commentators reference the trajectory of a shot and discuss the pace of a shot. Just enough pace on the ball to beat the keeper. A challenge is essentially a tackle. The words are used interchangeably. 
And while soccer is a contact sport, it's not a collision sport like American football, where a tackle means wrapping up the ball carrier and taking him to the ground. So when you hear challenge or tackle in a soccer sense, the person is essentially talking about playing defense. They're trying to get the ball back from their opponent. If you've watched any amount of soccer, you're familiar with the slide tackle, which is essentially a baseball slide into the ball carrier's ankle area under the guise of going after the ball. I'm not sure how there are not half a dozen broken ankles during any given match, but nonetheless, you often hear announcers and players scream, he got ball, or something like, he got a touch fortunate there, when a player is called for a foul after a bad slide tackle. By the way, tackles can be described as feisty or naughty, cynical or impetuous. A heavy tackle, a crisp challenge, and on rare occasions, a clean tackle. Again, can you imagine these words being used during Monday Night Football? That was a naughty tackle by Von Miller. Stoppage time is a soccer-exclusive phenomenon. With football, basketball, and hockey, when the game clock hits zero, the game is over and a set amount of time is provided for overtime, like 15 minutes. In baseball, you have nine innings, and if you're tied after that, you have extra innings, but you have no set number of extra innings. You just keep playing until someone wins. In soccer, you have stoppage time, which is a set number of minutes added to the end of a half to account for time lost for injuries, substitutions, fouls, pitch invaders, and any other perceived time-wasting tactics often employed by the winning team. What makes stoppage time unique is it is arrived at largely arbitrarily by the referee who supposedly tracks all the lost or wasted time. The side referee holds up a sign displaying the one, two, three, or sometimes seven minutes of extra times added to the half. Head tennis describes when players continue to head the ball back and forth rather than bringing the ball down to the ground. Darbies are cross-town rivalries like Manchester City vs. Manchester United, or Newcastle vs. Sutherland, or Everton vs. Liverpool. We just don't have anything equivalent to that in American professional sports, however, our college sports, that's another story. Think Duke vs. Carolina in basketball and Michigan State vs. Michigan in football. A comfortable evening means someone had a decent performance. Nothing great, just comfortable. Ambitious is a favorite term used by English announcers. Usually it refers to a difficult shot or one that is taken from really far from goal. Sometimes it refers to a particularly low percentage play, like taking on three defenders at once or crossing the ball towards goal from a difficult angle. Sometimes it's just some more generic, such as the phrase, showing some ambition. Another favorite catchphrase of British announcers is clever. The technique was clever. Or the opposite applies, the technique wasn't too clever. Or cunning. It was a cunning and clever cross. Or a clever pass. Speaking of passing, some of the most colorful language used by English commentators is reserved to describe passing of the ball. So not only can you be clever, but you can also talk about the weight of the pass, meaning the amount of speed or power put on a particular pass. They will say things like, he thread that pass, which usually refers to a pass being completed in a very tight spot with little margin for error. And one announcer described a particular performance by saying, he is passing quite pleasingly. Another described a pass as being floated invitingly. Fitness refers to how good of shape a player is in. The announcers will often refer to a particular player's fitness if he's been out with an injury or if a team has played several games in a short period of time, they might even question the team's fitness. When a goal is scored, the team conceded a goal or the defense was breached. Imagine, Ezekiel Elliott breached the Steeler defense. That just doesn't seem right. The style of play can be described as tumultuous, grim, full of energy and positivity, scrappy, disjointed, or fizzling out. Glorious chaos equates to a match with little structure, 
Losing your shape often causes this chaos. Injuries often provide some of the craftiest language. He is distressed, or unhappy landing describing an ankle injury, or slight clash of heads, or no treatment required, or he's moving a bit uneasily. And of course, when an English soccer player is injured on the field, the physio is often called to tend to the player, that being the trainer. A clean sheet refers to a shutout when the other team doesn't score. It's usually credited to the goalkeeper, as in, he kept the clean sheet today. If you have watched any amount of soccer, you are familiar with yellow cards and red cards. This is the process known as getting booked, the yellow being a warning. Get two of those in a game and you're sent off the pitch, and your team must play with one less player. Or you can get a straight red if you do something particularly flagrant, like a studs up, that means your cleats are up, slide tackle into an opponent's ankles. Yellow cards are held in the referee's breast pocket, and red cards are held in the back pocket, so announcers will say something like, is he going for the pocket? Fouls can also be described as soft, unfortunate, all the way up to egregious. Performances are described as breathtaking, lively, vital, a debacle, choppy, sloppy, and sparkling. Players can be diligent, buoyed, adventurous, elegant, and in turmoil. Finally, here are some miscellaneous musings from my one-year study of English soccer announcers. Committed is often used to describe a particular decision made by a player. During a penalty kick, you'll, you will hear announcers say, the goalie was committed to that side, or he was committed to that tackle. Once you commit in a soccer sense, you are all in. Large players are described as robust. When a team wins a tournament, they don't simply get a trophy. They are adding more silverware to their trophy cabinet. The angle of a shot can be described as acute. Goalies can collapse on the ball. The only time that word is used in American sports is with a negative connotation, like someone gets injured. When describing a veteran player, one announcer said, quote, only 31 years of age, plenty of years of service left, end quote. An American equivalent is the overused years in the tank analogy. A player doesn't get the ball stolen from them or get their pocket picked or fumble the ball. They get dispossessed. Here's one of my favorites. After a non-call on a clear penalty, this announcer said, Southampton is feeling aggrieved. In other words, they should have gotten the penalty call. After a big victory by Chelsea, one announcer exclaimed, Smash and grab at Stamford Bridge. Where do they get this stuff? Fans lap up a victory. Teams and players succumb to pressure. Winning can produce a euphoric high after a dramatic victory. The strategy of the game is described as having a tactical understanding. The referee sometimes needs to be alerted. And players can demonstrate a lovely bit of skill. So I hope you found this episode amusing, maybe a little informative. And if you're not a soccer fan, do yourself a favor and at least check out a Premier League game at some point. And if you hear any terminology that I didn't cover today, post it on the podcast Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 